Hey there, Susan here. I am in the middle of working on some really cool updates for my course, Not Rocket Finance, that will be releasing at the end of March. So I'm taking a short break from releasing new episodes here to give myself a little bit of breathing room to finish those updates. So this week and next week, I'm going to be releasing episodes that are the best cuts from some of my very favorite Break the Ceiling episodes. This week, I'm revisiting my interview with Charlie Gilkey. Charlie helps people start finishing the stuff that matters. He is the founder of Productive Flourishing and author of the books Start Finishing and The Small Business Lifecycle. And he's the host of the Productive Flourishing podcast. Charlie and I talk about how to get out of your own way and how to avoid roadblocks that you inevitably run up against. So you talked about kind of creating that bottleneck and not trusting your team. And in your book, you also mentioned like five ways that you see business owners stifle their own growth. And I imagine that's one of them. You know, can you tell me a little bit more about how you see kind of that founder's mojo, those unique things starting to really impact their growth? Yeah, well, um, the first two are very heavily interlinked and they're the bootstrapper mindset and the bootstrapper habit, right? And I always separate mindset and practices because sometimes, well, those will often diverge. But the bootstrapper mindset is just like, if it needs to get done, like we do it, I do it, right? I, I know how to do it, so I'm going to do it. We sort of project that on tone to our teams as well. Like if something needs to get done, they, they're going to do it. But we get this very sort of like, it's all on me mindset, that then leads to the habit that we don't even think about, say, delegating. We don't even think about talking to a marketing strategist. We don't even think about some of those types of things because we are the solution for every problem we have in our business because that's what it means to be a bootstrapper. It's all on you. And those two put together leads to a situation to where, you know, the bootstrapper, the founder is like, I see a problem. I'm going to fix it. They immediately start fixing it. Then we get frustrated because the people that we bring onto our team don't see the problem and they don't fix it, right? And so it reinforces this habit that if there's something wrong, I got to fix it. And so we end up in that loop. We sort of go into the third way we stifle business growth, which is, um, I call it the having to sort through the bucket of marbles. It's like any given challenge in the business, there's one or maybe three core issues in there that really does require the founder to figure it out. But it's bare, those marbles are in a bucket of other smaller marbles, like, you know, where did an invoice go? Or did someone respond to this email? Or did you make that phone call? And why is the sauna not working today? And just all the things. So every time you go in there and just try to find that one thing, you touch all these other ones. And then because you have the bootstrapper mindset, you start getting in there and fixing them or wondering. And it's like owning a problem that's not yours. And the thing about it is, is, okay. In this specific instance of you answering this specific email, you're upside down. But keep in mind that by not building this process, by not building this delegation and workway in your team, you're committing to answering those types of emails for the remainder of your business life, right? And it's not just that it's one email. It's not just that it's one call. It's not just that it's one thing. It's like we're all buried under a heap of 15-minute to-dos. So the fourth thing you sort of roll into is the insufficient trust. And I have to be careful here because trust is a loaded word. Um, it both means the sort of the moral trust, lie, cheating, stealing, that sort of thing. But it's also just 
trusting in the sense that if someone says they're going to do something, that it's going to get done or that it's going to be done well enough. Um, and so I want to place it more on their teammates ability more so than their teammates character. If you've got a character trust issue, that's a completely different issue than if you have a, um, ability trust issue. And because of founders mojo and, and, and hopefully I'm, I'm showing if, if this particular discussion sounds very circular in the sense where it's like, because this happens, this happens. And then this happens again and again, that's actually because I'm trying to describe what happens, right? It's not just that I'm talking right. in circles that's here. That's absolutely what happens Right? is it always ends up circling back to some other issue. Yeah. And so because they've got the bootstrapper mindset and they're like, it's on me to do it. So I'll do it. And that creates the habit. And then they're always touching everything so that, they're always fixing something. Basically, their teammates around them don't learn how to do the things that they learn how to do. And they can't do it. And so it ends up creating this insufficient trust cycle because they won't even delegate or ask their teammates to do anything because they don't trust it. It's going to get done. So what do they do? They do it themselves, right? And get ever mm-hmm. better and get ever stronger in their founder's mojo and leave their team ever further behind. Once you sort of can work through some of those to where you get out of this bootstrapper mindset and you get out of the habit, you figure out what your core, what your core work is as a founder and how to trust your team. That last sort of snag that I've seen um, founders do, and this is a very counterintuitive one for so many founders and small business owners. Once you get to the point to where your team is already doing stuff for you and, you know, the business is working and things like that thing that immediately comes up for so many of my founders is if I'm not involved in the day-to-day operations of the business, like what will I do? What am I contributing to the business? Like I can't have all these people out there working and I'm not, that just doesn't. And when I say it that way, to be honest, most of you listening who are small business owners, you're like, but isn't that the dream, Charlie? And I'm like, that's what we tell ourselves. But in practice, what we do is end up getting in the business and creating crises, creating challenges, creating frictions, or destroying the business so that we will have something to do. That's so true. I see that a lot in, um, it was interesting. So I, the, the last like professional position I had was as a CFO and I was turning over my, like my work to the to my replacement when I left. Um, And we were having a discussion about like, what do you do day to day? And really, my role, I had a lot of direct reports, they all were, you know, doing their work, you know, the the style, I know you're prior military too. So I'm sure, like you get this, the best thing I learned from the military was how to delegate things, Mm -hmm. and, and to delegate things. And we were talking about, you know, what do I do every day at work. And I was like, I really don't do anything. Like I sit in a a couple of meetings. But my job is to make sure that the people who work for me have the tools and resources and support to do their job. And I get out of their way. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That is literally how this happens. My day to day is not doing much except occasionally putting out a fire. Yeah, I think people underestimate how much work it takes to get the hell out of the way. It's so hard. It's so hard. <laughs> yeah. And for me, the the switch that I had to make mentally was building space in my own brain for part of my job is mentorship. Mm-hmm. And part of my job is to develop my team and make sure that they have the skills to do what they need to do. So sometimes that is, you know, they come into the office and like you said, that's giving them 
tools, asking questions so that they can learn kind of the the framework that you would learn to solve the problem. They can actually step through that themselves. And maybe you spend the first time, you know, walking them through the process. And maybe you spend the second time walking them through the process. But once they've been through it a few times and they understand that there are they are empowered to solve that problem on their own and now they know how to do that then it's less of an issue the next time because they'll just start solving the problems themselves and depending on the person that process takes a little bit longer for some than others but the the switch i had to make was that that is a core part of my job as a founder or as a leader is that my job when you're talking about like what do you do all day if you're not actually in the you know, sticking your fingers in the business, your job is to sit there and be a mentor and develop your team. And that was one of the ways that I managed to kind of get my fingers out, out of the day to day. Yeah. Um, or the temptation to get out of the day to day because I could tell myself I was still, I was still doing something. Yeah. I'm still, I'm still adding value to the company. See, but that's, that's where I want to, I want to really hang out in this space a little bit if we may, Susan, because yeah, sure. what, that that drive to contribute and to do something and to create value, I think fundamentally like confuses how owners, how we should be thinking of ourselves as owner of a bit owners of a business. So regardless of how you whether you're an S Corp and how you do your your pay or your wages versus dividends, but like there's a part of the value that you create from doing the work in the business. In the earlier stages of your journey, a lot of your value comes from the work that you do in the business. The longer your business works, it's not the work that you're, it's not the technical work. It's not sort of the working in the business to use the sort of well-worn Michael Gerber sort of things. It's how you work on the business. Um, But I would take it a little bit more how you work on the business through your team. Mm -hmm. And in a later life cycle, the healthier businesses, the best founders are the ones that are doing um, what seems like the least work, right? If your business, yes. if your business can survive for two or three months without you, you know, besides a random phone call here and there, because there's this sort of edge case, that is the value that you've created. That is the value that you created, not you button seat time sitting in an office pining away for something to do or pining for some way for someone to tell you good job. Um, or pining for like your your sense of contribution in the world because we got to remember, businesses should serve people, which by extension, businesses should serve their founders and owners. And unfortunately, Susan, you and I have both seen it. How much it's really a one way street that the founder and owner is serving the business, um, mm-hmm. but not really getting their life back for it. If you liked these cuts and you want to hear more from my conversation with Charlie, you can go listen to the full episode. It's episode 34, and we will drop a link to it in the show notes. Now, even though I didn't release a new episode this week, I am still meeting with smart business owners just like you at my Dollars and Decisions Roundtable. The next one is happening Tuesday, March 16th at 2 p.m. Eastern. At the last roundtable, we talked about capacity and figuring out how to increase it. And we had a great discussion around getting into maintenance mode in your business. So come join me for the next one. To register, go to scalespark.co slash dollars and decisions, all one word, no spaces, or you can just click the link in the show notes. Hope to see you there. Break the Ceiling is produced by Yellow House Media. 
Our executive producer is Sean McMullen. Our production coordinator is Lou Blazer. This episode was edited by Marty Seafeld with production assistance by Kristen Runbeck. 